Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Dashing through the snow on a one-horse open triple jump podcast, something, all the lyrics. It's time for an advert. It's not faked. Something, something else. My name is Ben. Sort of waiting for you. I feel like you should go to the end now. And Peter's here with me. Oh, this is the triple jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. Thank you very much for clicking subscribe and download. I hope you've subscribed. You better have subscribed. Oh, that that was it. Okay. That's all I got. Is uh, I sort of fell over my words there. I was trying to fit in too many syllables. Mm. I'm not a rapper, Peter. Well, um, apart from Christmas puzzles. Oh, <laughs> I think you could be. Um, you think? Yeah. Should old podcasts for video games all be as good as ours? That no, they won't be. They never will be. We're triple jump, we're triple jump, we're triple jump. I love that last bit. That was really good. Mm, Yeah, I think so too. Inspired lyric. Hey, why not tweet your uh, Christmas song parodies relating to this niche video game podcast? Or New Year. Or New Year. (laughs) To to us at Team Triple Jump on Twitter. Go on, do it. Mm. Get all the lyrics. One big, one big thread of tweets, especially with the sort of ers and ums and stumbles and stretched yes. out syllables and squashed in syllables like that. Otherwise, it's not really worth doing, is it? So. We need to know where we got to stumble. Yeah, you know. Otherwise, what's the point? Welcome everybody to our triple jump video game podcast. It is the last podcast that we're going to be doing together this year. Mm. Yeah. That's right. Um, but don't worry, we will be back in the new year. You know, 2021, the year that's going to be maybe better than 2020, possibly. Everything's, everything will be fixed. Yeah. Because it's a new year. New year, new me, new us, mm-hmm. right? First of January, I'm going to go out. I'm going to lick all the handles mm. on the Metro because it'll that's be safe it. to do so by then. It will be. COVID will be gone. Yeah. Because it's 2021. So please, please be safe out there. Please, please be, be safe. safe out there. But right at the top of the show, I will I will just just clarify that yes, this is our sort of Christmas show. We've got some Christmassy questions, mm-hmm. uh, and this will be the last one we're recording together. There will be a bonus podcast going out next week, uh, where I will be joined by a few guests. So if you're a patron, 
and you have supported us on patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, please look out for a bonus question post. That was hard. I was thinking of the words and it was really hard to find them in my brain. You can ask uh, the questions that you don't want to ask me for some reason. Yeah, Yeah. that you've been holding back on because you thought you'd upset Peter, maybe. Submit those ones. So, yeah, that post will be up now by the time this podcast is out, so go and have a look. And also, while we're we're away over the break, there will be a Game of the Year post. We'll be doing our Game of the Year show when we come back in the new year. Mm-hmm. And we need everyone to comment their three favourite games of 2020. And then, as we did last year, there will be a subsequent post uh, sort of putting the most frequently mentioned games in the comments into a poll where people can then vote for their game of the year. And uh, that is how that will work. And we will do that alongside our individual games of the year on the first show back in 2021. But before we go any further, Peter, we do need to talk about this week's video game podcast sponsor. We do. Now, it's coming up to Christmas, as you say. It's a time where we should all be getting together, um, being good to our fellow man and, you know, having a good time. I mean, when I say getting together, I mean safely in safely. within your Christmas bubbles or maybe not at all if you can. Or boobies. Um, yeah, but, you know, it's the season of goodwill. And unfortunately, in the video game world right now, there's, you know, there's there's some good news. There's some bad news. There's there's some negativity, as there always is. People, Some people are trying to be happy and positive. Um, but with a, a recent game in particular, it's been it's been slightly disappointing. Um, there's a lot of hype for this game. It's come out, and now you can see everyone's Wilsons through their trousers. Um, but there's a new initiative um, that's that's been put out by CD Projekt, uh, CD Projekt Red, um, to try and rally the troops and get people feeling happy again. Um, they've hired a. This is a really convoluted backstory okay, isn't ready. it I'm they've ready. hired a um a celebrity representative to be the face of this initiative so everyone just cheer up because it's time for simon punk 2077 <gasps> no way is that our guy now we're all just going to be positive about games that just come out because bad is not good and oh, good no, is not. good which is not bad yeah yeah S- stay positive which isn't unpositive yeah no Keep Everyone try to be not smiling. unnegative. Or, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure about de- that one. Depositive. Don't do that. Don't depositate. Be sure. positate. Be positate. Simon Punk 2077. I'm Simon Miller, and I'm here to tell you just to be positive about everything, especially the game that just came out in which you can see people's... I mean, Simon Miller would never even say the word Wilson, I don't think. He's that wholesome and... and Genitalia. Genitalia. Hey, we've all got them. Don't worry about it. Don't, you know? don't worry about it. Whether they're in the trousers, out the trousers, under the trousers, through the trousers, it doesn't matter. As long as it's a positive genitalia. Yeah. Well, a I positive mean, genitalia. Be careful if it's positive. Make sure you inform your sexual partners and also visit a clinician. Yeah. And uh, make sure that in utilising the genitalia that you get a positive response in uh, when asking the question, do you want to utilise my genitalia? Would, shall we engage our genitalia? I'm Simon Miller. Would you like to engage genitalias with me? That is an affirmative yes. Posi- uh, that is a positive. Thank you, Simon Miller. I would. Okay, Simon Miller, here we go. Engaging... What are we doing? Engaging oh genitalia. So that, that's our sponsor this week. Except mm. it's not. What? Because Simon Miller would never sign up for 
a service which was pro sex. Simon he Miller is famously prudish. Simon Miller yeah. hates sex. I know he loves us, and he would never do it. But at what point do we get a cease and desist from Simon Miller? What, because we're so accurate in the because way it that sounds we... that could have been two Simon Millers right there saying all that stuff, and that's bad for his brand. It is because if that if people take that con- that audio out of context and post it to YouTube, people will think mm. it's Simon Miller saying, "Oh, you're right, Simon Miller. Yeah, I'm all right, Simon Miller. Let's have sex. Let's you engage know? genitals." So uh, yeah, it, it can't be long. Uh, no, before... Okay. Wow, that's a shame that it's not real though, because that would make me buy that game in an instant. Yeah, it would yeah, totally yeah. turn turn things around for you. It would. Yeah. Listen, I can I can put up with uh, uh, epileptic seizures mm. in Cyberpunk, but what I can't put up with is a lack of Simon Miller. Yeah, and that Simon Miller is is what I need. A lack of unpositiveness. Exactly. You've got to be depositive, be not deep, uh, whatever. Be negative. I can't believe that that's not real. I tell you what, who who is real though? Who? Peter. It's the patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where for as little as $1 per month, you can support us there financially and you'll get access to the weekly podcast posts from which we gather the questions for the podcast. And also, if you want to vote in the game of the year stuff and make your voice heard, Please do support us there. Yeah. Don't forget to do it. So, yeah, go over there. Patreon.com forward slash team at triple jump. Before we get to the first question, one final question for you. Oh, pre-question question. question. Outrageous. (laughs) A little bit of pud. So what are we doing in the walk space this week? Uh, do you know some families like to go for a nice Christmas walk on Christmas morning, don't they? Through the probably not snow because it's December, not February. And, yeah, through uh, the flooded field. Through the flooded field, the mud. Maybe it's a bit drizzly. Um, and uh, you know, especially this year, people might feel the need to get out, get some fresh air, rather than be stuffed up and sharing breath. Um, it was lovely. Uh, so maybe share could, breath with me. Could, oh yeah, all right. Let's be positive about it. Um, so maybe we could go for a nice, either a nice, lovely, Christmassy, snowy, um, you know, uh, Christmas card looking walk or a British Christmas Day walk, which, as you say, is the flooded fields. Um, mm-hmm. One or the other. I'll, let, I'll leave it up to the editor. James. Well, I wasn't sure. Sometimes it's still you now and then. But I it's think it's probably, James. you know, James has a lot on his plate this week, so it might end up being me. But I think I think it's probably James. James. Is, this, is it you? I don't know, he can't hear him, he's miles away. He can add it in post, unless it's not him. It might not be Uh, him. I don't know, I can't say for sure. Anyway, first question, Peter. Yeah. Where, what we got? This is from Connor Mountford, who says, Hi boys, Cyberpunk is seemingly digging themselves further and further into a hole and lost all their trust from The Witcher. No! My question is, is there a studio that you've loved, but their next game made you despise them, or at least stop paying attention to them? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. What a Christmas question. (laughs) It's okay. Um, Man, it's difficult. I can certainly think of publishers who sometimes also develop games that definitely lost my trust. You know, once upon a time, I used to be a big fan of EA. You know, they made the Harry Potter games... Uh, or published them, I should say. That's the point I'm trying to make here. And Simpsons Road Rage and stuff. They developed some stuff as well rather than just publish it. I think they did 
some of the like best Medal of Honor games. And now EA don't really like him that much. Which I mean, I, I sort of I seem to blow hot and cold or give mixed messages with uh, you know, given that I you know their biggest recent sin is Battlefront Two, and I'm at the same time a bit of a defender of Battlefront Two, but only because it plays well and you can play it without touching the microtransactions at all. So. You know, I think that's that's the only reason there. But I still don't like EA's business practices. Like they shouldn't have done what they did. Um, so broadly speaking, EA. Uh, but it's hard to think of a specific game that you know this game came out and suddenly it was like, oh, well now I don't like you, EA. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that that's tricky. But I mean, possibly. <sighs> in fear of just talking about something I talk about all the time, especially on the podcast, to to sort of preempt something, I would say that, you know, big fan of uh, Beyond Good and Evil by Ubisoft, and just the the further along we go with the as-yet-unreleased prequel, (laughs) I think I'm going to be really, really disappointed the closer we... Like, the, the the more that I hear about this game, it just can't go right, can it? Like... It's for starters, it's an Ubisoft game, and therefore it's going to be a bit cookie cutter, or you know, they're just going to mix and match previous mechanics from other games because that's how they do these things. Um, but also, I'm just, you know, I, I, I really hope they prove me wrong. I really hope it comes out well. But just the troubles that that game has had in its development, it's already made me kind of feel like cross with right. what they're what they're about to do with a game that I or a franchise that I love um but uh yeah I I did try I tried to think of a a studio that um made that, that I really liked and then they made a specific game and then I didn't like them anymore but I don't know if I can think of a a proper example for that I don't know if you came up with something yes I did I came up with one specific example so right. there's you know there's there's a few studios that when you see you know on a debut trailer for a game or whatever during e3 and so on you see their their name or their logo pop up and you're like oh okay here we go this is worth paying attention to that you got your naughty dogs for me you got your from software you see those logos pop up you're like okay i'm paying attention what is this what are we what are we looking at bioware has lost all credibility Uh, to me yeah Seeing a Bioware logo used to be that exciting. You know, I was a huge fan of Mass Effect 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, I even played Dragon Age Inquisition, which was good, but not incredible. I wasn't a Dragon Age fan, really, of the first two. I didn't I didn't play those games. Uh, right. But I played Inquisition on PS4. And uh, by all accounts, that was kind of a letdown for fans of Dragon Age. And it did have problems. It was quite buggy and a bit wonky in places. But... Since then, their stock has just plummeted. So much so that when we saw the Bioware logo at the beginning of the of the trailers for the uh, the new Mass Effect game and the new Dragon Age game at the Game Awards uh, last week or the week before, whenever it was, yeah, didn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Even those trailers, I watched them. I was like, I don't care. You know, if it had gameplay, maybe I would care a little bit more. But even if it did, you know, the stuff that they showed of Mass Effect Andromeda before launch, which was um, I'm assuming is going to be a similar situation here where we're going to be looking at CG trailers and a sort of blurry 
background footage of artists working on concept art. Yeah. And we're going to be seeing that for years because I have absolutely no faith that these games are anywhere near done and EA has just done an EA and showed them off years before they're ready mm. and will just allow hype to build and build and build and especially with the new Mass Effect as it appears to return to the era of the original trilogy as Liara is in it. Right. But even then, like, I saw Bioware pop up, I saw those trailers, and I was like, I just don't... This doesn't make me feel excited. And that's sad, because I used to watch E3, and and even from developers I didn't know, I'd be like, oh my god, that looks amazing. Even though it's just a CG trailer, like, oh, that looks cool. Ooh, interesting. Whereas yeah. now, it's just, I'm so cynical and jaded, because the industry keeps making bad decisions and making bad games. And Bioware in particular has just been on such a losing streak that... Yeah, no, thank you. That that answer has now made me think of one as well, okay. uh, which I would say is Bethesda. Like, yeah, I think that's at fair. this point yeah. they've. I mean, maybe again, it may be over a process of a couple of games rather than one specific one. But you know, Fallout seventy six certainly was kind of the the death knell of their their current. Uh, I don't know the the state they're in now. I'm not saying they can't bring it back eventually. Like, I think when they uh, when the next Elder Scrolls comes out in about 2077, um, you know, I'll, I'll be interested in that. But in the meantime, you know, I've been a bit disappointed by the last couple of Fallout games, actually. Like, Fallout 4, in the end, didn't do that much for me. Um, I guess I've never been a, a huge, huge Fallout fan. I've always enjoyed, uh, well, I, I enjoyed Fallout 3 in New Vegas, but... Um, yeah, like Fallout 4, I was like, ah, oh, there's something about this that I don't, I don't know why, but I just don't really like it that much. I think maybe it, that was when the engine started to feel very dated to me, mm-hmm. even though it needed fixing long before then. Um, and then, yeah, Fallout 76, I never played, but, uh, you know, part of the reason I didn't play it is because I saw what was going on with it. And uh, that used to be a studio that if I, you know, saw their name, I'd think, oh, what's this going to be? This is exciting. And now I'm like, oh. What are they going to screw up next sort of thing? Right, um, right. But as I say, you know, I'm, I am a big Elder Scrolls uh, fan. I've never played Elder Scrolls online, but the single-player games um, I do like. So I will probably still be excited for that when it eventually comes up again. But uh, You just don't have the boundless enthusiasm you used to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Peter, that wasn't a very positive conversation, no, was it? it wasn't. Our sponsor's going to quit by the end of the oh, podcast, I think. no. I think we should quickly move on to another section. Yeah? Uh, should we call it, uh, whoop? Whoop, whoop, WWP, what we positive in. Yeah, that's it. It's time for what we positiving, which, of course, translated from Simon Miller Ease means what we playing. Peter, what are you playing? Uh, the main thing I've been playing this week is, um, uh, I nearly said Elder Scrolls because I've just been talking about it. Assassin's Creed <laughs> is what I meant to say, Valhalla. Ooh. Um, you got the cat? Uh, no, no, not yet. No, I've been doing a lot of running around and just like kind of exploring the world, picking up map markers, uh, encountering seemingly random kind of radiant encounters and things, uh, doing little little exploration quests. One thing I didn't expect, and I don't know how much of the game you've watched or heard about, there's um, a, a weird sort of um, mission type that you can do, which maybe has been in the past couple of games as well, but I'm, I've am i certainly never been aware of these, where the Animus 
makes a sort of assault course for you, like up in the sky, and you do oh. like parkour on these computery virtual reality cubes. Um, so you're you're running around uh, in like the Viking world as the as your Viking character, and then suddenly you will sort of go like all wibbly and it'll go and you'll still be in that world but your character model will change to the person who is in the animus whose name I don't even know because I don't pay attention to those bits um and then these boxes will appear and you have to like climb around on those and stuff which is kind of weird it's called like an anomaly um so I did one of those the other day which was very strange and unexpected and you just have to sort of get to the end and uh really it's it's clearly just a way of them including a a parkour challenge in that game in right. a world that is, you know, doesn't have like huge numbers of skyscrapers and uh, great big buildings and things like that, or or tight streets and alleyways and things. So because it's there's a lot of open forest and small villages, um, that's probably the the best way for them to include some interesting parkour challenges. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that was weird. So you're just kind of going around doing ma- like cleaning up map markers and things and i've done a couple of uh main missions but um just i'm just sort of enjoying the world really which is why i've not gone too hard on the the main story just sailing around and riding horses and hunting wildlife and things it's good i'm okay. really enjoying it um nice. the other thing i've played a little bit of this week is um some more spyro reignited trilogy because i've been i've been in training I had, mm-hmm. you know, a towel around my neck and a sweatband on my forehead. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Punching frozen meat in my walk-in freezer. Um, <laughs> When's the stream again? Is it Sunday? It's uh, I, it's today, I believe. Oh, it's today. At time of release. Um, so, in fact, it may even be kind of right now, depending on... I've not, I've not completely decided what time of day I'm going to do it on, so... Which which isn't great if people are listening to this right now on Saturday. <laughs> it will it's probably starting at either twelve noon, which is when the podcast goes out, right? Is that right? No, usually goes out at four twenty. Oh, literally. does it? I'm not. Okay. I'm not even joking. But we can push it to twelve. That's not a problem. Well, maybe we shouldn't though, because if if uh, a, a tweet goes out saying podcast is live, and also there's tweets going out saying Peter's live on Twitch, then that's a bit of a clash. So. Uh, okay. 420, I guess. So it happened today. I might still be live because um, it'll probably take me five or six hours. So I'll be over on Twitch, but there'll be a VOD available as well. Um, I am slash have played through all of Spyro 1, hopefully without breathing fire until I get to the final boss. And it's quite possible I'll be able to get... I'll certainly be able to get all of the dragon eggs from the thieves without flaming and... I can definitely get 78 of the 80 dragons, and two of them are up a wall that I have to do a really glitchy jump to get up, and it's so inconsistent. I've spent, like, probably hours in total trying to get, like, the exact way to do this jump, and I've still not worked out how to do it on command, so I'll probably give myself a time limit, like, can I get up this (laughs) wall? And if I can't, then we'll either be finishing without all the dragons, or maybe I'll have to do a bit of a cheat and just prove with um some capture that i've got on my ps5 that hey you can get up this wall here's it's me possible here's me doing it back to back seven times in a single clip but i can't <laughs> do it right now so i'm going to breathe fire once to break the door down to get up this wall the correct way and we'll pretend that i just did the jump that i did in this clip um <laughs> so we'll see how that goes slash how that went but um yeah so that's that's 
mainly what I've been doing. Bit of Valhalla and a bit of bit of training time for Spyro. Um, but nice. Yeah, it's been good. What have you been positiving, Ben? Well, I've been positiving some more bug snacks. Ooh, delicious. I've now got the Platinum. And well uh, what a... What a weird game yeah. that is. We all know it's weird, but yeah, the story really takes a turn into sort of such strange territory. And uh, it's it's sweet. It's it's a sweet game. It's a bit janky, and a lot of the traps that you use don't really work properly, and sometimes you have to leave an area or come back in or do like a proper reset because it just, you know, some bug snack is just their behavior is all weird and they're ruining things right. and they're not where they should be and... But each area is, is sort of like a... It's, it feels like what the natural evolution of Pokemon Snap would have been if they'd continued to release those games. Bug Snaps. And, but exactly, Bug Snaps. So, But obviously, you know, you're, you're not on rails and each, each area is, is like a little puzzle. You've got to work out which... Uh, how to catch each thing. So sometimes, you know, a snack will be frosty and you can't catch it because it'll freeze you. Right. So you need to sort of, some of them, you need to get them to chase you into like a hot spring mm. and then you can catch them afterwards. Or sometimes, one of the more frustrating ones, you need to shoot like a, a plunger with a rope attached across a uh, across a cave so that a flying bug snack will land or run into it and fall down to the ground. But you can't catch it because it's on fire because it's a flaming Cheeto thing. Right. Then you need to tempt a frozen bug snack to chase you into the cave at the same time oh. and charge after you and then charge into the frozen bug snack, uh, the fiery bug snack, which will get rid of its fire mm-hmm. and then you can catch it. But obviously, with it being a bit janky and wonky, it can be a recipe for real frustration and it doesn't always work as intended. But... Uh, on the whole, I really enjoyed that game. I thought it was it was really nice, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Brilliant! Oh well, that's lovely. Never yeah. work with children and animals, though they say. So yeah, definitely not bug or snacks. Bug that's snacks. for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. I've also started Sackboy: A Big Adventure. Wonderful! It, it that is how I would describe it. It's so lovely. For some reason, they've made the creative decision to give Sackboy a voice, whereas before he didn't have one. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't say words or anything, but he does sort of like react to things in cut scenes and stuff. And they've given him the voice of of a boy, which I suppose is understandable, but it's really jarring for me. Yeah, well, it's jarring for me as someone who's been a big Little Big Planet fan since the first game uh, to to hear this this adorable cloth man start making human noises. I don't like it. It's strange. But anyway, I'll get used to it, I'm sure. It's it's just, obviously you can't create anything, it's just a 3D platformer. It's really, really nice. I like it a lot. It's got a fantastic soundtrack. Um, there's a whole level similar to that Crash Bandicoot one, the Crash 4 one that's set around the music and stuff and everything's move, moving to the beat. Oh yeah. There's yeah. one like that, but it's set to Uptown Funk. And it's okay. really good. And I've heard no one talk about it. I feel like, a, you know, it reviewed sort of high 70s thereabouts on Metacritic. Yeah. I feel like it's better than that. And I feel like a lot of people might be sleeping on this game. It's four-player local co-op as well. I'm just playing it on my own, and it's really, really good fun. So if you've got a partner or a significant other or family members or kids that you want to play a game with, uh, I highly recommend this. It's on PS4 as well as PS5. And it's just it's a really lovely game, and there's a lot in it as well. There's certain stages that are only playable in co-op too. So, 
Well, I might. I highly recommend it. Might give that a go before Bug Snacks then, because those are the sort of two two games I'm thinking of moving on to next after Valhalla. But um, I wasn't really mm. sure what to go what to go to first. But that sounds uh, like it's worth playing as soon as I can. Yeah, I'd be interested to get your thoughts as a as a as a platforming fan. Yeah, okay. uh, but it's it's nice. It's a nice game. I like it. It's mm-hmm. it's good fun. And finally, last night I played a little bit of Warzone. Yeah. They've just patched in a new map. It's a it's a timed event, so it's not like a new season where they've given us a new battle royale map. It's just a timed event with a significantly smaller map on an island, and uh, it's it's got a limited player count, so about fifty players or thereabouts, um, teams of three maximum. And uh, the circle obviously closes a lot faster. It's a lot smaller. There are certain uh, chests that you can open in there that will respawn rather than sort of just the single use chests that are, you know, have been the standard for this mode. Right. Uh, and I played four games last night and I won two of them back to back. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Well done, King, you. King Call of Duty over here. No, yeah. not that guy. I didn't get that many kills, but I was on the winning team and that's what matters. So. Excellent. There we are. So that's that's now live, that event. Again, probably a limited time thing. We'll all really enjoy it, and then they'll take it away. Yeah. yeah. So there we are. That's what I've been positiving. Excellent. Well, it's time for a very positive question. Hmm. Uh, yes, I suppose it is. Would you like to read it for us? Do you know who else supposes it is? Who? Moses supposes. Moses supposes. Yeah, that's the name of the wonderful patron who submitted this question. Yep. Moses Supposes asks, what Christmas movie do you think would make the best video game? <laughs> I mean, not to be anything less than positive, but I did struggle with this one too because I don't think there are many Christmas movies that would make <laughs> a great video game. And certainly not in a traditional genre. Um, mm. I did think of, obviously controversially, some people say Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um, and there was the Die Hard trilogy on PS1, which I believe is um, kind of fairly fairly beloved. I don't know if it was critically a success, but I think people talk about it as being, you know, quite a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, the the trilogy set. Um, I thought that despite Home Alone being our most recent episode of Worst Games Ever, I think that there could be some fun to be had in Home Alone. Maybe if it was like super sandboxy and physicsy if because those are real words yes um and it really gave you massive creative freedom to so you've got almost like a tower defense game but you kind of create your own custom traps using like you know like little little makeshift switches and trip wires and things that you can like hook up to moving parts and stuff it would be a bit of a uh, deviation from the um, from the the film because really he just like hung cans of paint from rope in in the ceiling and swung them at people. But you know if you went slightly more um, contraptiony, I guess, or sort of Rube Goldberg machine, uh, I think there could be a lot of fun to be had in almost like a G mod style. Or there's a there's a PC uh, PC game called Besiege where you make these little siege engines that can like roll around and it just gives you loads of little Lego parts to mm-hmm. put a a siege engine together. And I kind of feel like you could do that with booby traps, like static booby traps. Um, so I think I think that would be a fun game if you had a really good creative studio uh, working on that who really came up with like lots of fun little bits and bobs to play with. I'd like to play a sort of tower defense, house defense game with like very customizable traps. 
people could like share them online you know uh, yeah yeah that'd be fun mm-hmm. you could really 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 hurt those burglars yeah yeah just in the worst possible ways Maybe. um Outside of that, I yeah, as I say, I kind of struggle to think about. It depends, kind of depends what you call a Christmas movie. Like, you know, some people would say that The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is a bit of a Christmas movie, given that it's in a, you know, half the film is set in like a frozen world, and they literally meet Father Christmas at one point. Um, and I think that, you know, I wouldn't say no to like a, a re. A, a reboot of some Narnia video games. It's like an interesting enough world. There's, you know, it's sort of sword and sorcery kind of thing. Um, I think under the the right studio, they could do an interesting line, the Witch in the Wardrobe game, maybe. Uh, but again, that was on Worst Games Ever, so I'm really selling these. I think. <laughs> you really are. You've picked two winners there. Yeah, but outside of that, I kind of thought that most Christmas movies are just people getting into, like, silly hijinks in the snow and you know trying to put up lights and the lights go out and they burn the turkey and oh <laughs> how what about tim allen humorous. becoming father christmas yeah uh, well i mean maybe there could be a father christmas game where you go around and deliver presents and stuff but i don't know it sounds a bit inane really um i think it would get boring pretty quickly yeah do you have any better contenders i'm really i hope you do <laughs> I have I've picked one. Right. I've I've got one pitch uh, because I I've, I've not really seen many Christmas films. Well, that's the other so. thing. I was trying to even think of Christmas movies that I've so seen. So for, fortunately, one just came to mind immediately uh, that I have seen, and that's Elf. Right. Starring Wilfrel, mm-hmm. everyone's favorite comedy actor, Wilfrel. Yeah. And I would pitch Elf, but in a Telltale style episodic game. Okay. And decisions could range from the innocuous, like what to put in the horrific spaghetti that he put all the M&Ms and the, and the whatever it is, this maple syrup and stuff in. Yeah. To sort of slightly more insidious, like maybe being a bit of a naughty boy and, and you know, being a bit of a rascal and getting on Santa's naughty list and stuff. Oh, more of a goblin. Yeah, a little Christmas goblin. And the twists that end every episode of a Telltale game traditionally could be like... <gasps> Turns out the six-foot man is not an elf. What? what? Oh, dun, dun, dun. You've got to go to New York and so on and so forth. I think it would be pretty linear, obviously, because it's got to follow this plot where he's just funneled from location to location. But I still think that there's there could be a lot of whimsical fun to be had there mm. uh, without you know many decisions being made a la The Walking Dead, like will you save your child or will you kill the dog you know yeah that sort of fun stuff that we love to do at christmas time yeah yeah definitely i uh this is really gonna upset a lot of people i've never actually seen elf and i know that people talk about how it's like the best christmas it's a lot of people's favorite (laughs) christmas movie it's Um, one of the few christmas movies i've seen it's really it's just a comedy set at christmas it's good i like clips of it yeah so I'm, I'm, i'm aware of like some of the kind of skits and and moments in it that people like because mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing that gets shared around social media and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm, it's, I think it's partly because I've only got a, a, a passing interest in Wilfrel, everyone's favourite comedy actor except mine, seemingly. Um, right. Uh, but again, that's really, I think, because just I've not seen that many of his movies and maybe if I had done, I would like him more. So it's a bit of a cyclical 
Yeah, it's a vicious circle because I've not seen much of him. I'm like, uh, I could take or leave watching Elf. I'm fine. Like, I don't know. Will Ferrell's all right, I guess. And then mm-hmm. if I did watch Elf, I'd think Will Ferrell was probably a lot better than I do. So, yeah. Weird, I see. Weird one. Maybe I'll play the video game when it comes out. Yeah, you should. I yeah. think the Telltale format is just very adaptable to, mm. well, as they as they proved to a lot of different properties uh, that ne- wouldn't necessarily make or that would be challenging to translate into a traditional game, should that's we say. That's the problem with Christmas video movies. Games. Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of where I struggled here. But you're right that yeah, Telltale does work as, as yeah. Tim Allen, first-person shooter, Santa Claus film. Yeah. Yeah, so he becomes Santa Claus and then he has to participate in a terrorist attack on a Russian airport like from Modern Warfare 2. That's it. That's the one. No Russian. Yeah. Perfect. We've sold it. Well done, Tim Allen. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, Easy. (laughs) That was a weird noise, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a little strange. Do you know what's an anagram of weird noise? Uh, Will Ferrell. Uh, No, no, not quite. Um, Simon Miller. No. No. Uh, Weird news. It's not. Oh, I didn't even have mine ready. Fine, let's move on. You were so... Okay, all right. (laughs) There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Weird news time. It's time for weird news, weird gaming news. I haven't, well, I mean, it would have been really tricky to find anyway, but I haven't got Christmas-related weird gaming news. Have you? No, I haven't. I didn't even think. That's fine. I I don't think there was any expectation to do that. What's your weird news, Peter? Uh, I've got a weird news that cannot be the YouTube thumbnail or title for today's podcast, so I hope yours is not about bums or anything, because, you know, then we'll have nothing. Um, CD Projekt, this is according to Kotaku, CD Projekt is adjusting Cyberpunk 2077's, quote, distracting amount of dildos. (laughs) This is written by Nathan Grayson, and it says underneath Nathan Grayson's name that this article has been filed to dildos, which is good. Oh, excellent. 
They've Excellent. got a, a dildos category on. In fact, I'm going to click on that and see what else is on there. There's a Saints Row article, another Saints Row article, and then this one. Um, and those Saints Row articles are both from 2011 regarding the Brilliant. Uh, they were the like, dildo yes, bat. Yeah. we're finally able to pop the lid off the, the dildo playlist and yeah. stick this one in. So this is Nathan Grayson on Kotaku. The first time I stepped out of... This isn't a, one of those write-up where someone describes their gaming experience for like 60 paragraphs, don't worry. It's just an opening. The first time I stepped out of my character's apartment in Cyberpunk 2077, I expected to be greeted by a vast world of machine-powered possibility. Instead, I found a dildo. It was sitting next to a random NPC's foot in my apartment building, near a discarded magazine and some other trash. (laughs) That's weird, I thought. Then I looked up and saw two additional dildos perched on a nearby banister, positioned between two conversing NPCs who did not seem to be aware of their presence. That too is weird, I thought. It then says, Warning, this post contains imagery that might be considered not safe for work, but with many of us working from home during the pandemic, what does NSFW even mean anymore, really? (laughs) Oh, Nathan. It continues. In my time with Cyberpunk since, I have stumbled across many, many, many more dildos. I've taken to documenting every single one I come across. I've screenshotted 29 dildos. They come in two main varieties. The common studded dildo, the lowly street pigeon of Cyberpunk 2077's vast dildo underground, and the rarer Pylomancer 3000, a utensil of truly formidable size and girth. You can pick them up and either turn them into crafting parts or sell them for a few bucks. They have no use beyond this. Some have been in sex shops and... Yeah, some have been in sex shops and clubs, places where dildos don't seem so out of place, but others have been on street corners, in restaurants, in chop shops where human beings get disassembled for parts. That really took took me down a a blind alley there. Disassembled (laughs) for parts. I've not played this game yet. Uh... And of course, scattered amongst garbage, which is pretty much everywhere. There's in a screenshot of a dildo by a bin in the street. Brilliant. Brilliant. This is distracting. First off, if you create a world that in many ways resembles our own, but with significantly greater dildo density, people are going to have questions. I think but that's al- pronounced dildosensity. Dildodensity. Dildosensity. Dildosensity. Right, yes. okay. Um... But also, I have yet to witness anybody in Cyberpunk actually use a dildo, even in a sex scene between two women. Wow, this is wow, really uh... not even women are using them. <laughs> quite the write-up, isn't it? There's an unlockable dildo weapon, but it's disconnected from the wider plethora of dildos in the game. And while something like that might fit in, say, a Saints Row game, Cyberpunk's overall tone is much darker, even if some side quests are humorous and over the top. So I had to know, why all the dildos, CD Projekt Red? Why? We wanted Night City to be pretty open sexually, said the senior quest designer, Philip Weber, in an email to Kotaku. They actually responded. Um, (laughs) Where uh, something by today's standards might be taboo or kinky, it's very normal and commonplace by 2077 standards. Um, So that's, that's their initial reasoning. Uh, so people just walk around with their sex toys at all times they leave them in the bins they have them in the apartment building corridor and stuff Um, if if I skip ahead a little bit 
the second reason for the high amount of dildos in the world is because they can spawn as random loot, and we were still tweaking those settings, so especially during the early reviews, the amount of dildos in the game world was pretty high. <laughs> we're, we're going wow. to adjust them so that dildos don't appear too out of place or out of context and distracting, and more where they should be by design, Faber said, also noting that a recent hotfix may have already adjusted dildo density, sorry, dildosity uh, to an extent. So, at the very least, the dildo pro- uh, the dildos probably won't stand out quite so much anymore. They'll still be present, though, as will the dildo melee weapon, and of course, we'll always have our memories of the halicon days of Cyberpunk's dildo dystopia. Is it Halcyon? I think it's Halcyon, yeah. yeah I only realised after I said it. Um, wow. Yeah. I do hope that there's an abundance of dildos when I finally get around to playing this game, otherwise what's the point? Yeah, I know. I'm going to be really disappointed. Oh, there's on the an, back of the box. There's an excellent uh, screenshot here where someone's looking at a dildo, like in their, I guess, in their inventory, and the subtitles underneath say, "Oh, looks like." Oh no, that's not. That's not actually. That doesn't make much sense. So it's fine. I thought. Oh, okay. I thought they'd very cleverly like got uh, some dialogue happening at the same time that the sentence ends with only the tip of the iceberg. So I thought there was oh, going nice. to be a, a joke there, but it, they're talking about snuffs. I don't know what snuffs are, but I don't know what a snuff yeah, is either. Very confusing. Uh, thank you, Nathan Grayson, for that intense write-up of CD Projekt adjusting their dildo amount, dildonsity. Dildons, yeah, dildos, oh god, whatever, anyway, yeah, (laughs) amazing, that is very weird, well we definitely can't have that as the thumbnail, no, and in fact we might have already been picked up just purely from audio by YouTube, the amount of times we've said dildo, dildo, yeah, Um, so Ben, tell me all about um, the the sex scandal in Demon's Souls, or whatever it is that you're going to bring to me today. Well, the maiden in black in Demon's Souls has been up to some really naughty stuff, oh, no, she hasn't. No. She's she's an angel. Yeah, we don't deserve uh, this. We do, oh, it's been a while since we've spoken about Hideo Kojima, hasn't it? Oh, I've missed it. Yeah, yeah. I've pissed it. I've pissed it. So here we are. We're back on PC Gamer because Kotaku's website still is just completely unusable for me, and I don't, I can't wade through it. It's awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from Rich Stanton. Kojima Productions' Ludens mascot began as a ballet dancer, ended up as an Alan Turing tribute. Right. Okay. So you know when they they launched um, Kojima Productions five years ago? Yeah. And the first thing they did was, here's our big weird astronaut mascot that looks a bit like a knight. You can buy an action figure now. Mm, it's yeah. like, please... Please just make a video game. And then he made a video game and we were like, actually, never mind. Yeah, just go back to making astronaut nights. Make weird astronaut nights again, please. Uh, So here we go. Today marks the fifth, well, not today, but this week, marks the fifth anniversary of Kojima Productions, the studio founded by Hideo Kojima following his acrimonious exit from Konami. And to mark the occasion, there were a few minor treats for fans. No, there was nothing about the studio's next game. Right. As well as an anniversary wallpaper, (laughs) a JPEG, thank you, there's a short Q&A with Yoji Shinkawa, the artist behind both the Metal Gear Solid series and Death Stranding. The document focuses on the design of the studio's mascot, the all-caps astronaut LUDENS, and goes into considerable detail on the various influences that Kojima wished to be represented in the final design. 
Oh, God, I I forgot how much I dislike all discourse surrounding <laughs> Death Stranding. Just so pretentious and oh, I don't know. I don't it's our know. favorite. It was our favorite game. It was, and people loved that it was our favorite game, and that we didn't keep talking crap about it all the time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. When we first started to create the company's logo, Mr. Kojima brought up the idea of a ballet dancer jumping, says Shinkawa, as ballet is a comprehensive art. He said he wanted to achieve that digitally. He sounds like such hard work, (sighs) Hideo. But I had a hard time digesting this idea. No, well, good for you, uh, Shinkawa, for standing up to him. He's just, you can tell he's like breathing down the neck of this designer going, no, make it more 4D. Ballet is a comprehensive (laughs) art. I yeah. want to achieve that digitally. Do digital comprehensive art, but don't include any ballet, but make it ballet. <laughs> that, but not that. That, but that, but not that. Yeah. But I had a hard time digesting this idea. So one of the ideas that I proposed was a mixture of an astronaut suit and a knight from a digital world, something that Mr. Kojima had suggested in the past okay. and clearly forgotten about when he was given, I don't know, just taken outside for a walk to well, distract him. it's not a comprehensive art, is it? Digital knights. No, it's think. not. He just wanted that in in digital form. Yeah. Then he added the idea of the Turing machines and the flag to this. By the end, the concept of the ballet dancer was completely gone. And then it says in close brackets, laughs. (laughs) It's sad that this never happened, mainly because the internet's reaction to Kojima Productions' new logo being a ballet dancer would have been something to behold. Mm. The knight design led Shinkawa initially... Uh, led to Shinkawa initially wondering about whether the character should have a sword, something shown in the concept art accompanying the Q&A. It's interesting to note that at this stage, the mascot much more resembles a Metal Gear, a Metal Gear design to my eyes. The final design bulks out the suit's proportions and moves away from the soft elements like the helmet plume towards a more hard-edged and machined feel. There were elements of a knight already, so I considered giving Ludens a sword to match, explains Shinkawa. But Mr. Kojima said, we're not going to be fighting, so I don't want them to carry a sword or a gun, but something else. That's where the idea for the flag came from. I think his, his idea was to explore the digital world and plant a flag on its frontiers while hinting back to the first moon landing in human history. I'm sure there must have been some inspiration taken from that. I'm telling you now, Shinkawa... (laughs) <laughs> he made it up as he went along. As always, yeah. That's just... The fact that his lead artist is is desperately trying to interpret what Hideo Kojima was thinking in exactly the same way that everyone who plays his games does yeah. leads me to believe that even if his inner circle has to make up sort of reasoning for what he's suggested... Uh, that just proves to me that he's just full of nonsense it just reminds me of um, going to Poetry Live for GCSE English where poets would read they'd be there like reading their poems out that were going to be on our exam and it'd be like oh wow we get to hear the poet read it and then do a QA and a after mm-hmm. and uh, one of them like said okay any questions and no one put their hand up and then oh. our, te- our teacher was like, oh, I'll, I'll break this silence. She put her hand up and went, oh yeah, is the uh, is the yellow the yellow coloured coat? Is that to do with cowardice? Is it you know, it's like being yellow, like cowardly? And he went, no, it was just a yellow coat. It's just <laughs> it's that kind of thing, like you know, yeah. people reverse engineer meaning out of stuff that is sometimes just either in this in, in the instance of that poet, it's just you know, totally normal, it's just a, a, an ordinary detail, or in the case of Kojima. There probably isn't any reasoning. It's just a sort of mess of, 
I didn't know the the Turing machine was even in it. It's just oh some yeah, circles. we'll get to that. We'll right. get to that in a second. Yeah, okay. they they are just some circles essentially. <laughs> but yes, that's what they are. Um, obviously, as we've said n- numerous times, Hideo Kojima, a very talented man, and we are just sort of poking fun. But it's just he's just so pretentious without meaning to be. I think mm. unlike some uh, video game auteurs who are outwardly just quite pretentious. He's just he just makes up the wildest stuff and everyone <laughs> yeah. scrambles to find meaning in it when Ugh. really it's just nonsense. Yeah. It's just such nonsense. And if you didn't if you played uh, Death Stranding and enjoyed it, good for you. But if you played Death Stranding and thought it was some profound experience then I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Imagine if Kojima teamed up with Peter Molyneux and you had to work for them. Oh, that game would never come out. <laughs> Scrambling around for meaning and also trying to quickly make it so that whenever you plant some piss in the floor, a mushroom <laughs> will grow there later. That's the important bit. What I think, Peter, is that the mushroom is quite a, you know, it's it's a special kind of art. I'm trying to find right. the wording now. Comprehensive. Um, a mu- yeah, a mushroom is a comprehensive art. And mm. he said that he wanted to achieve that digitally. Yeah. yeah so when- there we are. I mean, of course. Yeah. That was it. Um, finally, Shinkawa discusses the spinning gold discs that adorn the suit and equipment of Ludens, which it turns out are a tribute to Alan Turing, the British genius widely considered the father of modern computer science. Mm. This was a request from Mr. Kojima. He wanted to have elements resembling Turing machines in the logo to have calculator-like parts in Ludens. Turing machines were invented by British mathematician Alan Turing and they became the base of modern day computers. The golden discs on Luden's body, oh sorry, Luden's body are a play on this concept. So the idea was for the suit to have calculators that would have a similar role to that of Turing machines. They search and measure various things as they spin. <laughs> okay. I love the idea. Imagine if you could contact Alan Turing from beyond the grave right now and say, hey, hey, Alan, thanks for everything you did during the war. We've decided to pay tribute to you with this logo for (laughs) a video game company where you piss mushrooms out. But what do they measure, though? Like the the Turing machine was very important in what it measured. Oh, you know, various things, various things like your Turing machine did, you know. You know, at Bletchley Park, you sat and you all just sort of measured various things, and then we yeah, won the that's war. what you did. That was the what was the war about? Oh, various things. Oh, various things, all kinds of things, really, and and varying in nature. Yeah, here's an action figure with yeah. some stuff on it. People can buy it with money <laughs> mm. and various things. Yeah, that's brilliant. It. That's my weird news, uh, wow. which is now officially the lead story because we can't put dildos on our thumbnail. No. Well, so, there we that are. was excellent weird news. I really, <sighs> really enjoyed that one. Hideo, you you rascal. What are you like? Oh, Love him. Me. Love yeah. him. I think he's he's brilliantly weird, but my goodness me. Yeah. People take him very seriously, I think. Time to return to, I think, Christmassy questions now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is from someone with a Christmassy name, too. It's... Mm. Elfen Arrowsmith. Wow. Which is both Christmassy and even more Lord of the Ringsy than it ever was. Yeah, somehow he's elevated it. Yeah. Uh, season's greetings from Elfen Arrowsmith. Have you ever played a good Christmas themed game, expansion, or mod? A couple spring to mind for me. RuneScape used to randomly give out Christmas hats to some of those who played on Christmas Day, and the Game Boy Grinch movie tie-in game was actually quite fun. It was a bit janky, as most movie tie-ins are, but was probably my first experience. 
experience of stealth in a video game. Wishing you and your families a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Elf and Arrowsmith. Thank you. So this is something we've talked about, I think, before on Triple Jump. And also, way back when, we uh, we did a, a 12 Days of Christmas at What Culture. Do you remember that? Yeah, the 12 where, Games of Christmas. 12 Games of Christmas, yeah, where we picked um, Christmassy games. So ba- those are basically, basically the ones I brought along with me. Um, so one of them that I chose then and now um, is Bugs Bunny Lost in Time had two snowy levels, but they weren't... They weren't like super Christmassy, um, you know. They were just it was just snow, um, and there weren't Christmas hats or candy canes or um, grottos. So mm-hmm. you know that's only loosely only loosely tied in. Um, however, um, one thing that I think one game that I think really absolutely nailed the Christmas level was Bully. Um, okay. And it's something I forget about uh, until I, I really rack my brains. And then I'm like, oh, hang on. That was like one of the best Christmas levels I've ever played. So Bully works by you 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 go to, you go sort of wake up in the morning and have to go to bed at night uh, every day within the game. And if you're out uh, away from your dorm at night and it gets to like midnight or one in the morning, you'll just pass out on the floor. Uh, so it just make you go to sleep. Um, and when you get to a certain point in the story... Uh, if you go go to sleep one night, you'll wake up in the morning and it'll pan like across. I think it like does this big panning shot across the school and it says like Christmas is here or something. And then there's this uh, day that is infinitely long. It goes as long as you want it to. I think the clock disappears from the game because normally you only have like, you know, 12 in-game hours of a day and then the day is over. Mm-hmm. But because there's so much to do, in this Christmas level, they get rid of that time limit. So there's snow everywhere. You can have snowball fights with people. There are Christmas missions to do. Um, you There are these snowmen around the town and the school that you have to destroy. And they're like a collectible. You know, you have to like smash up 12 snowmen. Um, and there's Christmas lights everywhere. There's unlockable outfits. You can get like jumpers and things like that. Um, and even when you go for detention in that game, normally you have to mow the lawn. Um, but in during the, the Christmas day, you have to go and shovel snow instead. So they really go all out and they, they change almost every core aspect of the game in some way so that it's got a Christmas spin on it. And um, it's but it's all with that sort of rocks rock star kind of grittiness about it. So there's like one of the missions is you go into town and there's this like alcoholic sort of i don't know if he's a homeless guy or something but he's dressed as santa and i think you have to go and get some booze for him and he's all sort of grubby and horrible and almost borderline abusive to you and shouting at you and so it's it's got that kind of that rock star edge to it that i think just gives it a little extra something as well so that's one of my favorite christmas levels uh, of all time nice yeah um Got a got a couple more, but uh, yeah. Um, so, oh yeah, no, just one more actually. I was gonna say I remember getting um, uh, when I got my PS2 for Christmas. I think one of the games that came with it, or this may have been the following Christmas when I'd already had the console for a year. I got a game called Motor Mayhem, uh, which is a little-known vehicular combat game. It's like Twisted Metal um, in a kind of sci-fi world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a lot of fun. 
Um, and when I put it into my console, everyone was wearing Christmas hats. And I thought... I, I think <laughs> this I was is just a bit, it. Yeah, I was naive at the time. And I thought, this game's really good. And I really like the character designs. Like, there's this big, like, rock man. And, like, the you know, there's all these different sort of sci-fi. There's, like, a lizard guy and stuff. And it's like, I really like all the designs here. But, like, it's kind of weird that everyone's, like, wearing a Santa hat. Like, why have they done that? And, yeah, I thought, I guess, I guess it's rather fortuitous that I'm playing it on Christmas today. And they're all wearing Santa hats. But this is going to be annoying for uh, <laughs> for the rest of the game. In fact, it might not have been everyone. But certainly the character that I chose first was wearing a Christmas hat. Um, and, of course, it was really that the game was, like, linked. You know, it was it was looking at the... The console clock and mm. uh, on christmas day everyone wears a santa hat but uh yeah so that i remember that throwing me off as a as a child who hadn't played games that had timed events like that and i was thinking oh yeah this is really strange um that's how about fun. you um yeah I've, I've got a couple here so did, as elfin arrowsmith said runescape was one that i really enjoyed i loved their their christmas events in in what is now known as old school runescape I used to have a, mm. I think, a selection of hats and scarves that uh, that were sort of timed quest rewards that you couldn't then sell or drop or anything like that. So uh, they were my pride and joy at the time. Yeah. And also, it was just fun to see the center of Varrock transformed into Christmas land with a big it Christmas is. tree and snow and so on. And everyone sort of gets in the spirit. And, uh, you know, some people put like different apparel on just to dress up for christmas yeah, yeah. it's nice it's, it's nice i always enjoyed that and uh, of course my go-to is always borderlands 2's expansion uh, marcus saves mercenary day which is mm-hmm. uh, sort of a, a bespoke area with a few with a main quest that runs through it sort of a raid boss at the end and uh it takes place in the delightful christmasy town of gingerton Ooh. And there's sort of like a model train that runs through it, and you have to go around and defeat some nasties, get the train working again, get the presents back for the town folk, and then there's this uh, giant abominable snowman enemy that you have to defeat at the end of it. And it's really, really fun. It takes like an hour and a half, or thereabouts, to beat it. And uh, it was just, it was just really lovely, and I really like it, and I, I play it quite a lot actually. And I think I streamed it last year, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah delightful really really enjoy that i think they did a great job with it yeah ah, that's good um i've just thought of another calendar based uh event that happened on lego loco okay a, a, a lego pc game from like way back like kind of late 90s i think so it wasn't that wasn't really that good. Well, it was good, but it wasn't very Lego-y, really. Like, things just sort of clicked when you placed them down, but they didn't look super Lego-y. There were just minifigures walking around a town. Um, but around Christmas time, you would unlock snowy versions of, like, all the items that you had. So, like, buildings would have snow on the roofs, and you'd, like, have, like, pine trees and stuff. You could put down little presents just in the street. Um, and then uh, once you'd played through a Christmas day those items would be saved in your sort of box of Lego so that you could go back and place them anytime. So you could like put snowy stuff down whenever you wanted, which was kind of nice, nice. that you could do that. That's yeah. lovely. Yeah. Uh, I've still been meaning to eventually get around to playing Batman Arkham Origins, which is becoming uh, yeah. less and less possible to play the further we move away from its original release, certainly on PlayStation anyway. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because Warner Brothers pretends it doesn't exist. And yeah. that's a shame because that game is set at Christmas. It's not Christmassy, obviously, but it is set at Christmas. Mm. And yeah. uh, I've always been meaning to play it as a fan of the Arkham games anyway. It is it is the black sheep of that family. Mm-hmm. But I have played Batman Arkham Origins, I think Blackgate is what it's called, on right. Vita, which was oh, yeah. bloody terrible. It was mm. awful. I hated it so Isn't much. It- sort of linear that one i think or maybe it's it's not it's it's a metroidvania style thing so there's a lot of retreading paths and it's kind of like a 2d side-on kind of game oh Uh, yeah right the the world rotates at various points when you for some reason go around the corner of the world and Mm. it shows it from a different angle but yeah it's just it was just bad and i played that one but i didn't play the proper (laughs) the proper game even if it was something of a pretender to right. the rest of the series like i do think, i do want to play that at some point i'm actually thinking of the dark knight game which oh, I no. think by all no. accounts was actually quite good but it was you know compared to the arkham games it's like purely it's like an a to b linear game was that you batman just, begins that one uh oh yeah yeah batman begins it was yeah that's yeah. right um and yeah that's it's just a you know mission after mission linear game but mm-hmm. uh so it kind of feels more enclosed than than the other games, I think, like the, the Arkham games, but people say it was good. Hmm. It's a good, good movie adaptation, anyway. Nice. It often appears in lists of that kind of thing. Good. Well, that's that's Christmas sorted. That is, we've I done think. Christmas. Uh, I suppose it's time to move on now to our giant discussion. Yes. Big. Do you have your paper this time? I've got it here. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's time for the big discussion. Big discussion. Big discussion time. It's time for the big discussion. This big discussion, Peter, comes from Robert Mansell. Mm -hmm. He says, hey, guys, for Christmas, you can build one special edition from a game series of your choice each. Using your favorite game in the series, add three additional special edition-esque things like special cases, models, posters or clothing or anything else you can think of. What would it be? Sorry if this is written clunky. No, it's fine. Merry Xmas, lads. Hope next year when Peter streams the Box of Delights, Ben can be there too and enjoy it with us. Big love, Kes Kes. Oh, it was splendiferous. <laughs> um, uh, so we each have been given Christmas, special Christmas permission to construct a special edition of one of our favourite games, mm-hmm. constituting of three additional shiny things that I suppose make it a special edition. Okay. Um, I have always wanted uh something that almost already exists um, okay in, in in this form there is a original spyro the dragon ps1 press kit that occasionally Ooh. comes up on ebay for like 250 pounds and right. i've never yet sunk 250 pounds on it because that is a lot of money and mm-hmm. if my partner knew that i'd spent 250 pounds on uh, a Spyro the Dragon cardboard box, basically, which just The wedding has... would be off. Well, it may well be. Yeah, I might have to marry my press kit instead. But so something like that. Um, so the reason that I really want that is because obviously it is one of my favorite games of all time. And I'm so interested in the game's development and early days. So there are like prototype versions that people have got hold of somehow. I don't know that they've uploaded to YouTube. And I find those super fun to watch to see what's changed. And, um, you know, there's like cut content or changed content. Things are like different colors and you have you defeat enemies in different ways and things like that. So that's all super interesting. Um, And I believe the press kit 
um, has some descriptions of the world and the lore and the characters, which didn't make it into kind of the the game manual or any of the other associated... I mean, there wasn't really anything else that came out with the game at that time. If you, if you wanted some lore, it was either in the game or in the manual, and that was it. So I really want to know what the creative... Um, the, the the team behind the game were like really intending in, 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 with regards to the world and stuff. So they still talk about it in interviews now, but, uh, you know, it was many years ago and they forget things and they're like, oh yeah, I can't really remember what that was supposed to be about. So mm-hmm. I would like some sort of lore book or like development history book that talks about cutting room floor stuff and, you know, has bits of old concept art. Um, so so a little little booklet... Um, definitely some kind of rad statuette um, or figurine. I've got that incense burner that sits behind us in the streaming setup at the office. Um, but, they, you know, that's just a sort of plasticky thing that didn't cost a lot of money. It was only like 20 quid or something. I'd like a really, you know, crazy expensive, um, what are they called? First for figures or something? Those people who make really nice video game statuettes. They're called like... Okay first figures or first for figures or something uh one of those and then maybe the whole thing could come in a sick steel book steel case yeah Yeah. just with like a rad edgy version of the original box art uh so i think that's what i'd i'd have um nice i want that book more than anything else yeah 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 definitely i want to i want to know the history of the game's development i want to know more and I never will at this point because everyone's forgotten, I think. <laughs> it could be you. You could be the one to go go around and interview everyone. Yeah, maybe. I should Put do that. Put it together. You should. Yeah. Get on it right now. Yeah. Right yeah. now. What's your present, Ben? I have chosen a far more recent one than that. Ooh. Because there was one of my other choices here was probably going to be Final Fantasy VII, the original one. But there was actually a, some kind of special edition at the time. And it came with minifigures and everything of all the different characters. Um, but right. you very rarely see that pop up online anymore. I think it was a UK special edition as well of some kind. Uh, so that already exists. But the reason it took me so long to pre-order Demon Souls for PS5 yeah. was because I was certain they were going to do some kind of special edition or limited edition. Yeah. And they didn't. They didn't do a damn thing. It was just that they did a digital deluxe version, which came with a few items and a soundtrack, but they didn't do anything special for the physical launch, mm-hmm. uh, which is really disappointing. So I've constructed my own. Wonderful. The Demon Souls PlayStation 5 Remake Special Edition comes with a statue of the Tower Knight, perhaps Ooh. the most iconic uh, boss in that game, certainly from a visual perspective. Uh, so just a big plastic nightman with a giant shield. I'd like one of those. Yeah. I would also like a poster of maybe the ruined Boletarian castle, which is sort of the first archstone, um, or a kind of blueprinty type map of the first of the le- of the four levels of that archstone. So it starts off and you're at the castle gates. Obviously, then you work your way across a bridge. You then go through sort of the town at the bottom of the castle, and then you're in the castle itself for the for the final boss of that archstone. Mm-hmm. So some sort of like artist's impression of like a, a zoom out of the whole thing, I think would be a really cool poster yeah. uh, to have, or a piece of art anyway. And 
The final thing I'd have, a little trinket, the blue eye stone, which is the thing you use to put down your sign on the floor to be summoned in. Right. Maybe sort of a physical representation of that, just a little blue gem on a, on a nice little stand or something. Just a little trinket. I think that'd yeah. be really cool. It's the kind of stuff that you can definitely find on Etsy somewhere because yeah, some yeah. mad, talented genius has made it. But yeah, I just feel like they really missed a trick by not doing special editions. I know the game was expensive anyway, and that's maybe why they didn't bother because it would potentially push the cost up way above what anyone would be would be willing to pay for it. But I would have probably been willing to pay for it. It's a bit weird nowadays. Like I feel like special editions are slightly less common compared to maybe five, ten years ago, or five, mm. you know, a little, little over five years ago. Um, and sometimes it's like there'll be regional, like, exclusives. I think that, um, yeah. I think Australia had a fancy, like, steel steel case for the Reignited trilogy. And I think I also saw a crazy um, Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy collectors or like so at least the box was special i don't know if it had anything extra inside but like it had this big cube shaped box it was like uh, in fact i think it was the shape of a crate like a crash crate and i think that was like region specific maybe that was something that that might have been fan made actually i might be making that one up but definitely australia had this random uh exclusivity thing for the the, the steel version which i don't know why that would be the case because <laughs> i think lots of people would buy that i would have mm. done um, I mean, people were even like importing them, and I thought about it. I was like, I'm not going to pay an import fee just for that. But yeah, I would have bought yeah. it if it'd been available. Yeah, there so. are some some strange variants in the UK, at least. It's either Game or Amazon who have yeah. an exclusive version that's usually a steel book or has like a nice cardboard sleeve or something like that. Yeah, which uh, doesn't usually have anything special in it. I know there. No, Game often has a has a, a sort of first dibs on a lot of the special editions uh i had to buy final fantasy 7s uh the remake special edition from game right because nobody else had it yeah and that was it it was exclusive to game so yeah it's weird i don't know i hope um i do love a good special edition especially a ridiculous one you know i'm not mm-hmm. talking like the latest call of duty coming with night vision goggles because i don't that's nothing i don't want that that's stupid yeah. But, I'd, you know, a franchise that I really care about and that I love and the characters mean a lot to me and the world means a lot to me, I'd love to have, like, a physical representation of that beyond just a box on a shelf, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Trinkets are fun. They are. Yeah. I do like the trinkets. Well, there we are. We have made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Mm-hmm. Peter is going to tell you all about how you can find us. And then before we go, we'll be running through, as always, what you can expect to come from the channel in the immediate future. Yeah. Uh, we are available on YouTube and Twitch. That's youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump. That's where we put all of our videos and do all of our live streams. When we do live stream in both of those places, we're modded by Lord Rotovich, Madstadactyl and Trowling Badger. Uh, we've got social media, twitter.com and facebook.com, both forward slash team triple jump. Luke Eldon looks after Facebook and is doing an excellent job. Thank you, Luke. The Patreon is patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. Lots of different rewards available there. Go and check those out. You can ask questions on the podcast, for example, or get worst games ever early and all sorts of other things too. There's a Discord uh, and the shortcut to that is bit.ly forward slash team triple jump. That's modded by Jack and Joe. Thank you, mods. 
Um, the podcast, if you are watching on YouTube right now, is available in audio form at play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash triple jump. The website is tripleju.mup. That's tripleju.mp. And you can go to tripleju.mup forward slash shop to access our shop and buy all sorts of interesting merchandise or tripleju.mup forward slash VODs, which will redirect you to our YouTube channel where we keep all of our VODs, which is just called Triple Jump VODs. Thank you, Pat, for editing the weekly highlights for that. And uh, thanks for, uh, to James as well for uploading all the VODs there too. Absolutely. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, you can find Peter at that Peter Austin and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday, Friday and Sunday. Thursday being the joint stream on YouTube, Blaze It, and the others being solo streams on Twitch. Worst Games Ever is fortnightly, Friday for patrons, Sunday for everyone else. Podcast is every Saturday and we do shows one every other week. Please, if you can, leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice. It helps something to do with algorithms. Mm-hmm. This week, we had What It Means to Me with Matthew from Botchamania and Cultaholic Wrestling talking about Smash Bros. Melee, or Melee, as the game calls it. Does it? Uh, it does. Smash Melee. Bros. Melee or something. Melee. I think so. I did I play that at a friend's that. house, but I don't remember. Yeah, me too. I remember it saying Melee. I might, I might be wrong now. I can't remember specifically it was a while ago uh but that's up now on the channel if you'd like to go watch that's a great episode and we thank matthew for taking part thank you matthew yeah uh next week as i said there will be a special guest podcast with a few people from triple jump and cultaholics so look out for the podcast post that should be live now and please submit your questions uh, there is a video going out tomorrow. We can't do post some tat this year, <laughs> uh, but we can buy each other terrible Christmas presents from a well-known, brilliant website. Yeah. So make sure you watch that. That'll be going out. A real Sunday treat for you. It's a good one. It's terrible and wonderful in, in every way you would hope it to be. And upsetting. Mm. Yeah, all of, the, all of the terms to describe that. Uh, rules Boss makes a return. Oh. He does, hopefully on Monday. That should be there. Uh, Peter's doing his special stream on Saturday. Time to be confirmed, but presumably it will either be happening now or it will uh, be happening later. Uh, check social media. Yeah, but I think it, it's going to be it's going to be twelve onwards. I think is especially now that I know the podcast isn't going out at midday. It will it will have started at midday. 12 on saturday so if you're listening very soon after the podcast has gone out i might still be live right now probably will be Mm, yeah Yeah. go watch go tune in uh my final stream will be on tuesday before we break up for the for the holidays andrew our wonderful friend andrew from Mm. triple uh, from triple jump no from cultaholic might as well be from triple jump uh, from cultaholic will continue to stream over the christmas break on the uh on the twitch channel so go and watch him social media will tell you all about when he is going live and so on and so forth so there we are oh and final thing make sure you check out the game of the year post when that goes up very soon if not already Mm. and uh, let us know what your favorite games of the year are and then we'll stick them in a poll in the new year everybody vote We'll do it on our Game of the Year show when we come back. Absolutely, yeah. Ah, just Which enough leads, time. Yeah, just enough time, exactly. Just just what I was going to say. <laughs> just enough time to thank this week's sponsor. Remember, everyone, stay positive um, about all the negative ap- things happening around at the moment mm. with the Simon Punk 2077. Uh, the 2077 stands for how positive you should be. That's how much percentages 
of positive, it should wow. be. It's a high percentage. Yeah, it's pretty high. Yeah, it's more than 100. So I don't really know what that means mathematically. But, uh, you know, just stay positive about it. Because yeah. bad is not good. No, no. it's not. No. Right. Brilliant. We done? Right. Yep. Okay. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone. All right. We'll see you. Year. See you later on. Uh, be good. And yep. uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 